the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Happy Wednesday. It is Thanksgiving Eve 2023. I'm Jack Windsor, filling in for Bruce on the Bruce Hooley Show here on 98.9 FM, The Answer. Thank you for listening and letting me visit with you over the next couple of hours. Hey, the phone lines are open. I want to hear from you today. I intentionally left uh, some segments and spots open for your phone calls. 844-TALK-989. That's 844-825-5989. And you're going, well, what do we want to talk about? Well, anything that's on your mind. But I have two things. One, who wins the game on Saturday? And uh, is it sacrilegious to to, to pick uh, that team up north? I don't know. But what are your thoughts? And then uh, I guess the second question would be, what's your favorite Thanksgiving tradition? I'll take your calls. I'll show. And we already have folks calling in to talk with you at 1135 will be joined by Mahek Cook. You know her. She's a friend of the show. If you're a new listener, though, and uh, I know that we have quite a few, Mahek is a mom. She's an attorney. She's a business owner and a political strategist. She's going to talk with us about the latest poll from Emerson College that took a look at the Ohio U.S. Senate race, because on the other side of Thanksgiving and the holidays, we are full on 2024 elections. And Mehek will also talk about Ohio House Bill 205 and what to do about that bill. Then at 1206, he is state chairman of the Constitution Party of Ohio. He is Trey Hand. He will join us. Trey will tell us his thoughts on issue one, uh, as well as his party's stance on the conflict between Israel and Palestine, and why you might want to consider the Constitution Party over say, the Democrats and Republicans. And then, of course, it's, it's a weekly treat now. We're spoiled. Bob France from 12, or excuse me, 1420 uh, AM, our sister station in Cleveland, will join us to talk turkey and football at 1235. Uh, always, always Bob has something up his sleeve. So you'll want to make sure if you're in the kitchen prepping food for tomorrow that you turn your volume up at 1235. Heck, you should turn your your volume up anyway because these guests are going to be amazing. And, uh, you know, make sure you call in because I do want to hear from you. And maybe you just want to tell me what you're thankful and grateful for. You know, yesterday I was scrolling Facebook and I saw a post from a friend that highlighted the ongoing, quote, debate about whether we should even celebrate Thanksgiving anymore. Well, my response to that post was immediate and it was visceral. (laughs) And in the final segment, I'll share with you how I responded to that post. But I'm going to make you wait. It did, however, get me thinking. 
tomorrow a vast majority of us will engage in some sort of, some some sort of tradition and hopefully a lot of eating you might lace up your running shoes early and go on a turkey trot if you're fit or getting back into a workout regimen which i need to do but if you're like me you'll you'll pull out your turkey eating pants early and uh try to make yourself useful for preparations in the kitchen or around the table but always keep an one eye on the TV, glancing at both the 12:30 game when the four and six Packers take on the eight and two Lions. And by the way, uh, thanks to Clay Travis for this one, the Lions are eight and two for the first time since former President John F. Kennedy was alive. But then you'll also be looking at that 4:30 game between the four and seven franchise formerly known as the Washington Redskins when they take on the seven and three Dallas Cowboys. I'm surprised we haven't, haven't uh, seen petitions yet to change the Dallas Cowboys name to call them cow people. I mean, in the spirit of diversity, equity and inclusion, you know, in, in this, in this age of multi-gender celebration, uh, sidebar, just reminded me, I've got to read you this text. Last night, 6.50 p.m., I'm sitting there with my wife, and I get a text from Bruce Holy. This is great. Bruce wrote, you know how they say men are from Mars, women are from Venus? That must mean all other genders are are pulled out of Uranus. And I, by the way, I've been corrected by our school-aged children. Apparently, that's Uranus now. It's not Uranus. It's, they, they, they say it's Uranus. Oh, Bruce, God bless you, man. Thank you. I needed that last night. I needed it again today. But anyway, back to football. Uh, if you're a footballaholic like me, or maybe you just want a reason to sit in front of the TV and, and eat more turkey, uh, the 7-3 and 49ers take on the 6-4 and four Seahawks at 8-30. Maybe you'll go outside and... and Go to your yard or the nearest park and uh, play in the turkey bowl. Do they still do that? I'm actually, fortunately, the age where I can say, you know, I, that knee. I'm getting old enough. I can just, I can just say that my knee or my lower back and, and not have to get embarrassed. Truth be told, I'm, I'm terrified that I will absolutely snap an Achilles or something. But regardless of what you do, I think it's important to know what we're celebrating and why. Thanksgiving Day is a national holiday in the United States. The history books when I was growing up told us it celebrated a time in 19 or excuse me 1621 1921 1621 when the Plymouth colonists from England and the Native American Wampanoag people shared an autumn harvest feast that is acknowledged as one of the first Thanksgiving celebrations in the colonies. Today, however, there's controversy, at least among the intelligentsia, as Ronald Reagan would have called them, and their writers, also known as the press. Now, I promised myself that if I ever had a chance to be on air around Thanksgiving, that I would do what the loved and hated Rush Limbaugh did for over 30 years, tell the tale of Thanksgiving that is not really told. But I'm going to do something else, time permitting, after I tell you 
Limbaugh's rendition. I'll do what opponents of what he used to recite won't do. I'll give audience to a dissenting opinion on the matter, not just cancel it. And then at the end of the show, I'll weigh in with my final thoughts. And again, throughout the show, you can call. Tell us what Thanksgiving means to you or what you're thankful and grateful for. You might even be so bold to give us your prediction on the game between our Buckeyes and the team up north. Okay. We'll at least start on this side. The true story of Thanksgiving, the story of the pilgrims, begins in the early part of the 17th century. The Church of England under King James I was persecuting anyone and everyone who did not recognize its absolute civil and spiritual authority. Those who challenged ecclesiastical authority and those who believed strongly in freedom of worship were hunted down, imprisoned, and sometimes executed for their beliefs. A group of separatists first fled to Holland and established a community. After 11 years, about 40 of them agreed to make a perilous journey to the New World, where they would certainly face hardships, but could live and worship God according to the dictates of their own consciousness. God according to what they believed. On August 1st, 1620, the Mayflower set sail. It carried a total of 102 passengers, including 40 pilgrims led by William Bradford. On the journey, Bradford set up an agreement, a contract that established just and equal laws for all members of the new community, irrespective of their religious beliefs. Where did the revolutionary ideas come from that were expressed in that Mayflower compact? From the Bible. The pilgrims were people completely steeped in lessons of the Old and New Testaments. They looked to the ancient Israelites for their example. And because of the biblical precedents set forth in Scripture, they never doubted that their experiment would work. But this was no pleasure cruise. The journey to the New World was a long and arduous one. And when the pilgrims landed in New England in November, they found, according to Bradford's detailed journal, a cold, barren, desolate wilderness. There were no friends to greet them, he wrote. There were no houses to shelter them. There were no inns where they could refresh themselves. And the sacrifice they had made for freedom was just beginning. During the first winter, half the pilgrims, including Bradford's own wife, died of either starvation, sickness, or exposure. When spring finally came, Indians taught the settlers how to plant corn, fish for cod, and skin beavers for coats. Uh, more of Limbaugh's rendition on the other side of the break. Happy Thanksgiving Eve. Welcome back. Give us a call, 844-TALK-989. In the middle of the story Rush Limbaugh told on the eve of every Thanksgiving, we just talked about during the first winter, half the pilgrims, including Bradford's own wife, died either of starvation, sickness, or exposure. 
Now, life improved for the pilgrims, but they did not yet prosper. This is important to understand because this is where modern American history lessons often end. And I will note, this is where the controversy begins, and we'll talk about that later in the show. Thanksgiving is actually explained in some textbooks as a holiday for which the pilgrims gave thanks to the Indians for saving their lives, rather than as a devout expression of gratitude grounded in the tradition of both the Old and New Testaments. Now, there is no question that without the Native Americans, the pilgrims would not have made it. I want to be very clear about that. Uh, Here's the part that has been omitted. The original contract the pilgrims had entered into with their merchant sponsors in London called for everything they produced to go into a common store. And each member of the community was entitled to one common share. All of the land they cleared, all of the land they cleared, and the houses they built belonged to the community as well. They were going to distribute it equally. All of the land they cleared and the houses they built belonged to the community. Nobody owned anything. Remember the World Economic Forum talking about that? You will own nothing and you will be happy. Uh, Nobody owned anything. They just had a share in it. It was a commune. It was the forerunner to the communes we saw in the 60s and 70s out in California. And it was complete with organic vegetables. By the way, uh, there's no question they were organic vegetables. Bradford, who had become the new governor of the colony, recognized that this form of collectivism was as costly and destructive to the pilgrims as that first harsh winter, which had taken so many lives. He decided to take bold action. Bradford assigned a plot of land to each family to work and manage, thus turning loose the power of the marketplace. That's right. Long before Karl Marx was even born, the pilgrims had discovered and experimented with what could only be described as socialism, collectivism. And what happened? They didn't want it. It has never worked. What Bradford and his community found was that the most creative and industrious people had no incentive to work any harder than anyone else unless they could utilize the power of personal motivation. But while most of the rest of the world has been experimenting with socialism for well over 100 years, trying to refine it, perfect it, reinvent it, the pilgrims decided early on to scrap it permanently. What Bradford wrote about this social experiment should be in every school child's history lesson. If it were, we might prevent much needless suffering in the future, such as that we're enduring now. The experience that we had in this common course and condition, this is Bradford, the experience that we had in this common course and condition tried sundry years that by taking away property and bringing community into a commonwealth would make them happy and flourishing as if they were wiser than God, Bradford wrote. For this community, so far as it was, was found to breed much confusion and discontent and much and and to detract much employment that would have been to their benefit and comfort for young men that were most able and fit for labor and service did repine that they should spend their time and strength to work for other men's wives and children without any recompense without being paid for it that was thought to be injustice why should you work 
for other people when you can't work for yourself. That's what he was saying. The pilgrims found that people could not be expected to do their best work without incentive. So what did Bradford's community try next? They unharnessed the power of good old free enterprise by invoking the undergirding capitalistic principle of private property. Now, they didn't call it capitalism, but it was private property and ingenuity. Every family was assigned its own plot of land to work and permitted to market its own crops and products. And what was the result? This had very good success, wrote Bradford, for it made all hands industrious so much more corn was planted than otherwise would have been. Is it possible that supply-side economics could have existed before the 1980s? I would argue here that supply-side economics isn't really a thing. Talk about that later. Uh, Yes, read the story of Joseph and Pharaoh in Genesis 41. Following Joseph's suggestion in Genesis 41-34, Pharaoh reduced the tax on Egyptians to 20% during the seven years of plenty, and the earth brought forth in heaps. In no time, the pilgrims found they had more food than they could eat themselves. Now, this is where it gets really good. If you're laboring under the misconception that I was, as I was taught in school, so they set up trading posts and exchanged goods with the Indians. The profits allowed them to pay off their debts to the merchants in London, and the success and prosperity of the Plymouth settlement attracted more Europeans and began what came to be known as the Great Puritan Migration. But this story stops when the Indians taught the newly arrived suffering and socialism pilgrims how to plant corn and fish for cod. That's where the original Thanksgiving story stops. And the story basically doesn't even begin there. The real story of Thanksgiving is William Bradford giving thanks to God for the guidance and the inspiration to set up a thriving colony. The bounty was shared with the Indians. They did sit down and they did have free range turkey and organic vegetables, but it was not the Indians who saved the day. I would argue that they wouldn't have had to save the day had they not been there to teach the pilgrims, what they taught them about farming and fishing. Uh, As acknowledged by George Washington in his first Thanksgiving proclamation in 1789. So, Thanksgiving was the way that the pilgrims and the Puritans said, thank you to God for the bounty. Thank you to God for the favor and the good fortune. Now, that doesn't erase the perils That doesn't erase the mistakes. That doesn't erase the bad decisions that would come even in the future. But that's the difference between us and the people who want to cancel everyone. If we look at everybody through the lens of their shortcomings, we're no better than the enemy. But if we look at them through the lens of grace and forgiveness and see the God in them, that is when we are like our creator. And for that, we can give thanks. Matt Cook on the other side of the break. The Bruce Willis Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.